Greetings. I'm Elizabeth Emery, producer and host of Hear Her Sports, the podcast about exceptional female athletes and women in sports. If you like the podcast, spread the word. For those of you who enjoy listening, there's a donate button on the website at hearhersports.com donate page. Today, my guest is Allison Dunlap, a remarkable cyclist with a long list of accomplishments. She won mountain bike world championships in 2001, is many, many times national champion in mountain bike, cyclocross, and road, a two-times Olympian, and the World Cup overall winner in 2002. Find out more details about her career through the episode notes on Hear Her Sports website. Allison and I knew each other racing on the road in the 90s, so we start off by just saying hello. Our conversation, however, focuses on being an active woman and having a baby. How Allison has managed to stay fit and sane during that time, some advice for new mothers, and other thoughts about raising a kid interested in physical activity and the outdoors. Allison definitely tells it like it is, no holding back, so join us. I'd love to hear from you and how you've managed to be sporty and a mom. Contact me through hearhersports.com. Let's get started. Hey there. Hi. So how are you? Oh, I just dropped Emmett off at school, so it's always a little chaotic. But it's good. Yeah, it's good. I'm sort of surprised how early you're up and ready to chat on the phone. Oh, I know. It's just like, well, we're up at, you know, 545 or 6. Today it's cold and rainy out, so it's easy to sit down and start working. Yeah. Anyway, I have to tell you, there's a lot of stuff I would love to talk to you about, but um, I want to focus on parenting as an active, energetic person. Because recently, during an interview, my guest revealed that she was pregnant. She hadn't told anybody. And she was understandably really concerned about how having a baby would impact her sporty lifestyle. Yeah. So I was wondering what you would say to her, and how did your active life change? It definitely changes, but ultimately, you can still do all the active things that you used to do, but it takes a shit ton of planning and help from family and spouse and it's exhausting but you know physically yes you can you can 100% come back and do everything you used to do um but you just get a lot more efficient because you you soon realize that you can't just go out and train for 4 hours every day you can train maybe four hours once a week. And then the rest of the time you're doing these short little, you know, 30 minute workouts or one hour workout. And you do a lot of intensity because um, you don't get the quantity that you're used to. It's still, you can still make it happen. But again, it's just, it's a lot of logistics management. <laughs> <laughs> but are you good at that? Or were you good at that when you started? Um, I'm, I am good at it. And it's exhausting. And it's, the thing I like the least because I'm so used to just, you know, like you look at your watch and you're like, ah, it's beautiful. Let's go for a four hour ride. And you call a few friends and you're out the door. Right. And that spontaneity goes away, which, you know, for some people isn't a big deal. For me, it's, you know, definitely more of a challenge to, you know, I have to sit down and look ahead in my calendar. And, you know, if I want to go to Moab for a weekend, I have to plan that a month out. And, you know, I used to be able to just do that a couple days in advance and I'm much better at it because I know if I don't do it, if I don't do that, then I don't do anything. <laughs> and that, that drives me crazy. That's, you know, that's worse than anything. So your son is six now, right? Yeah. Okay. 
So you've had six years of practice at this point. Yeah. <laughs> and he's, uh, he's now in first grade. Is that going to change things? It, it has opened things up for me. You know, now he's gone five days a week. And, you know, I work, so I have my little business at home. And so, you know, it definitely helps having a real consistent work schedule now. But the day goes fast. Like, you know, you get home at 8.15 and, you know, mornings are chaos. So but when you get home, usually you got to clean the kitchen. I got to make the bed downstairs. I'm putting away some clothes that are thrown around the floor. Uh, you know, just all these little I don't know, fiddle fart type activities that take you away from your work. And that's one of the drawbacks of working from home, <laughs> I find. Um, but, you know, that's that was my choice. And so I, I do that for a little bit in the morning and then I sit down and I work. And But the, yeah, the day flies by. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's time for pickup. <laughs> You're like, well, wait a minute. And some days I have to, I'll call a friend and I'll just be like, Hey, I'm, I've got so much to do. Can Emmett just come over for a play date? And, you know, usually play dates are great because, you know, they're usually classmates, friends that are his age and they're free. Like, it's not like babysitting. So you just, they go over there, they play and then you trade. And then maybe those kids come over to your house next week or something. Right. So that's, I can do that if I need more time. Right. So I want to go back just a little bit. How did your life change both positively and negatively six years ago with having Emmett? So I'll start with the negative first. The negatives obviously were, you know, losing my freedom to, you know, just do whatever you want. And to, you know, I went from being a super elite athlete at the end of cyclocross nationals. And then I was pregnant by February. And so even just the pregnancy was a huge shift in my thinking. And, you know, my pregnancy was great and nothing happened, but it was a very, it was very challenging for me to just give up my body to this growing little baby inside me. And, you know, you know that you're going to get your body back, but nine months is a long time, especially when <laughs> you're used to riding every single day. And, so that was my first adjustment. And then, you know, the baby's born. And I think the biggest thing is just this lack of sleep. And, you know, everybody knows, every new mom knows that it's going to be rough. But nobody tells you that it doesn't stop after the first three months. You know, it keeps going. And like the lack of sleep goes for the probably the first three years. And it's it, it just the accumulative accumulative exhaustion is something that I wasn't prepared for. And that that was the biggest negative for me was, you know, you're constantly tired, which means that, you know, you get sick a lot more and you're grumpy and then you have very little time. So if you don't exercise and you're exhausted, then the two together, you know, you just, you can just be miserable and uh, yeah, you're so you, tired. You're were so you training tired. during that time? No, I wasn't. I was done racing, but I, I rode as much as I could because it, it, kept my sanity like exercise and bike riding especially you know was the reason I was a good parent you know and that I knew that and I you know that was such a high priority for me and I'm you know I'm glad it was but it definitely made for some tears and frustration <laughs> it's hard to picture you in that in that way I know, <laughs> I know like I had more meltdowns 
I had more meltdowns the first year of being a parent than I did my 40 years previous, all combined. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. So then the positive, of course, is that you have this beautiful baby and, you know, just the, the amazing experience of being a parent and, you know, all those little milestones that you get to experience, you know, when they roll over for the first time or they stand up or they start walking or they smile at you for the first time. And, you know, those, you know, that first smile is so, it's just a smile, right? But it just, it, the feeling that you have as a parent is like, is, is unlike anything you've ever experienced in your entire life. Even, you know, winning the world championships is not an experience that relates to anything I've had as a parent, um, you know, completely different. And so those, all those little things that just melt your heart, you know, make up for, you know, the overwhelming feelings of, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I am exhausted. I'm grumpy, you know, and this little thing is screaming and there's poopy diaper that I got to put away and clean up and, and I'm all by myself and, you know, and you just lose it and you get those days more often than you get the incredible days in the first year of having a baby. And yeah. And you just are like, what, why, why are we doing this? You know, you question yourself many times, <laughs> but it is an amazing, it, the highs are higher than anything you've ever experienced as well. So it goes both ways. Did you have your coaching business at that time? Or not yet? I did. Yeah. So I had my coaching business. Um, I wasn't, I had stopped running clinics, which was good, but I, I did have my athletes and, you know, is that, was that good or bad? It was probably a little of both, you know, it kind of pulled me away from, you know, being completely overwhelmed with parenting and, you know, I got to at least do some work, but you know, I would sit in front of my computer and I'd have this, you know, Emmett would be in his little swaddle on my chest and he would be nursing and then he would fall asleep. And I would sit there in front of my computer with this baby on my chest for a couple hours. And, you know, I got work done, but it's just a funny, it's just such a funny thing how you try and you, you make it work. I mean, you try all these creative ways to, you know, be a parent and work at the same time. And it, you can pull it off for the first eight to 10 months. And then once they start walking, then, then that all falls apart. (laughs) (laughs) Then they're mobile, right? And, and when they're 10 months old and they're walking, you can't just let them walk around the house. You have to be right behind them. (laughs) Of course, they're pulling everything off the shelves and putting everything into their mouth. And yeah, so, but at least as a parent, you, it, it starts out slow. Like, you know, you get, you know, all this time to work up to, you know, the chaos of when they're walking and then the chaos of when they're three years old and five years old. And so it's a very slow progression because you look back on the whole experience and the first, you know, the first six months are so easy compared to, you know, what you have now, just because they eat and they sleep and they don't move around and you can carry them they can't tell you, no, I don't want this. I don't want that. You can go anywhere you want with the baby. You can, I mean, it's so easy. And <laughs> so you do get time to kind of work up to how uh, challenging it is. Right. And Emmett seems very active. So he's, I can imagine he's running around a lot. 
He is active, yeah, but he's not he's not like hyper spastic. I mean, he has his moments, but you know, he sits down and he'll work on his stuff at school where they're, you know, they're writing and learning harder words and or he's way into art, so he'll sit down and work on art projects sometimes and you know, other times he's just a total pest and won't leave me alone because he just wants my attention and you know, being an only child also has some challenges. Um, you know, I can't just say, go play with your brother. <laughs> there is no brother or sister. So I'm his, I'm his playmate. And, you know, it's been really awesome, but it also can be challenging because you don't, you feel like you don't ever get time to do stuff for yourself in the house when he's around at the same time. Like it's hard to coexist with him without having an interact an interaction Right. And, and how did you introduce Emmett to sporting activities? Because I've seen through your social media that he's, you know, mountain biking, hiking and skiing and all of that. Um, you know, it just started from, from day one. I mean, you know, he was a few weeks, just a few days old and I was, you know, walking around the neighborhood. And then, you know, as soon as I was healed up from labor and delivery and able to, to a hike then we started hiking and then as soon as he was six months old then he was big enough to put into the bike trailer so then I started you know I got to ride my bike with him and then we did that almost every day and so it just was such a part of his life he didn't know any better like he didn't know any different and you know we I just did a ton of stuff with him it was always hiking and riding and adventuring with him as a really as a baby you know really young baby. And then that's what he grew up watching and seeing. And, you know, kids at that age, they, they just want to do what mom and dad do. And so it was so easy for him when I gave, we gave him the strider, you know, and he just, you know, he wasn't like riding the strider immediately, but you know, he saw that mom and dad rode bikes every day. So I want to ride a bike and And that doesn't happen with every child, of course. Some children just don't have the coordination and they don't have the, they just don't like it. And no matter what you do, they don't want to be outside or hike or any of that stuff. And luckily, we have someone, our child loves it. So I'm very thankful. Does he complain? I mean, is he talking about being tired and I want to go home and when are we going to get there? (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, we have plenty of you know, adventures where I'm just like, what the hell am I doing out here? You know, because he's crying and complaining and hungry and I don't want to be here. And this, I don't like this mom. And, you know, so, and now that he's getting older, he's, he's definitely more opinionated, which is sometimes a challenge for me because, you know, last year, every time I said, let's do something, he was like, great, let's go do it. And now I say, let's go bike riding. And he'll think about it and be like, well, mom, why don't we do this? Why don't we compromise? And he'll go into this long winded explanation, (laughs) you know, because he's just, you know, he's has more opinions about what he likes and doesn't like. And, you know, if I, if we're going biking, then we're going to go and then we have a great time and he, he loves it, but, oh yeah, we have our moments. Yeah. You know, with children at this age, I find that most of the time when you run into troubles, it's because they're tired and they're hungry. <laughs> if you can keep them well fed and keep the sugar level up and, you know, keep them stimulated, then they're great and they, they have a great time. Does he have a favorite activity? 
I I think the mountain biking is is his favorite. Yeah, he looks very good at it. Yeah, and he's got really good. He's just very coordinated and very athletically um, not, not gifted. But he's not like a prodigy or anything, but he just he's just very coordinated. And so anything he does, he does it well. And you know, some kids don't have that. And so you know, he's got great skills on the mountain bike, great balance, um, very good body awareness. And so it's fun for him. You know, he doesn't, you know, he's not scared and he's not crashing all the time and, you know, he's riding real trails and I think he, he loves it. Do you get nervous? You know, I've, I actually don't. And I've noticed with him over the years is that although he has really good skills, he tends to be, he's not a, a, a reckless go-getter. Like if we get to a descent and he looks down and he realizes it's pretty steep and technical, he stops and he's like, you know, I'm going to walk this mom. And I've been with other kids the same age that they don't know better and they don't, they don't appreciate, you know, the difficulty of a section. And so they just go down it and they crash and they get hurt. And so it's been really nice with him. I actually have complete trust in him because I know that he will never go down something unless he knows he can ride it. Well, that's nice. Yeah, it is nice. And, you know, and I, I ride with him most of the time, Greg, you know, Greg works a lot more. And so when Greg rides with him, Greg is a lot more, you know, a a worried parent because he's not used to being with Emmett on the bike and knowing what he can and can't do. And he's just micromanaging Emmett every time we ride. I'm just like, shush, let him, let him ride his bike. He's fine. (laughs) Oh, I don't want him to get hurt. He's not, he's, you know, it's funny. Right. That's cool. Uh, Do you get bored going out with him? Oh no, no, it's definitely very entertaining. And you know, you gotta be even on the most easy trails, you know, as a parent, you're, you're still constantly worried. You know, you're just like, Oh God, don't hit that tree. Oh, you know, you don't say anything, but you know, you're watching like a hawk. And so you're never bored and they're talking, you know, and they're not talking about the bike ride. They're talking about, you know, all these random things. And so, you know, I've had great conversations with Emmett on bike rides. Uh, and so, yeah, it's, it's, highly entertaining you you know the only challenge is you have to have the mindset of when I go out with my child it's not it's not for me to exercise it's for it's for my son it's to be together it's this you know time we're going to share but I'm not out there to get my workout in and if you know that then it makes it so much easier so how often are you getting out for yourself now now that he's in school and whatnot I'm probably riding three or four days a week. And then I go rock climbing once a week with some friends at night. Uh, there's a indoor gym downtown. So, you know, so I'm, I'm definitely getting time out by myself or with friends and on the bike, you know, most of my rides, I call it my hour of power. I have an hour and I'm out the door and in five minutes I'm riding as hard as I can. <laughs> I, <laughs> I just, you know, I sprint up every hill, I go as hard as I can, whenever it works, and I get my endorphin buzz, and then I come back and, and I'm right back into work. Right. What are your aims when you're exercising now? Just to Um, stay healthy? Really, it's, it's, you know, the immediate goal is to 
get my heart rate up and burn calories and get, you know, get a hard workout in because I don't work out very often. So it's not at all what I would do if I was training, you know, towards a, a race or a, a big ride, you know, so, cause every time I ride my bike, I try and ride hard. And then if I need to take an easy day, now my mentality is, well, an easy day means I don't ride at all. Cause I don't have, if I'm going to ride my bike, I want it to be a good hard workout and I'm not going to go ride my bike for an hour really easy. <laughs> I'm going to stay at home and get some work done. And so, you know, that's not good. That's not good for training and, and that's fine. And I know it cause I'm not training. I'm not, I'm just out there trying to just maintain some fitness and keep, it really does keep my sanity and it, but a big part of it is the intensity. Like I love the intensity and it just, you know, clears my head. It makes me feel better. And I just, I can come home and I can sit and work the rest of the day. Do you miss that structured training? Sometimes I miss the structure. I think I miss more the long epic rides that we would always do on the weekends, um, you know, with friends, because those were just like big adventure days. And there wasn't really structure on those rides, but it was kind of, you know, ride hard up the hills and work on your descending. And, you know, it was so there was some guidance, but for the most part, it was just this hammer fest between friends and you know, we'd go out all day and then we'd come back and you eat and then you sit on the couch and you watch TV and you take a nap. And that was like, that was the day. <laughs> and I miss, I really miss that. Cause now if I get a chunk of time to ride on the weekends, which I do a lot, you know, I'll go out for four hours, but you know, I'm constantly watching my watch either because the babysitter has to leave at noon or, you know, I want to get back so Greg can get out. So we switch. And so there's that, that kind of hangs over your head. And then when you get back, you walk in the door and immediately you're back to being a parent and you know, there's no downtime. I mean, no napping. <laughs> there's no napping. I mean, there's no time to shower. It's just like full on the minute you walk in the door. And so that's, you know, you get used to it, but it, it's different. You know, it's, I, every once in a while I will have a weekend away and, you know, we have to plan it again, like six weeks out where I, you know, I go away for the weekend with some girlfriends and we go to Crested Butte and then it's just three days of riding. And then it's like, you know, I have not a care in the world. I don't have to worry about being a parent or working or anything. And those are such a, a blessing. And I, you know, they're, those weekends come about like twice a year, but you, you just make it work. Right. That's interesting what you said about always having to think about the schedule. You know, it's like, it sounds like now one of the biggest things is that you're constantly having to think about what's next, which isn't true when you're doing that sort of, you know, solo training. Yeah, it's, it, it, again, it's just, it's all about logistics management. And sure, you get a babysitter and babysitters are awesome, but, you know, you're paying for that, right? So if you go on a, a an all day mountain bike ride, then all of a sudden your all day mountain bike ride is costing you $80. <laughs> and you're like, holy, you know, and then, yeah. so that's great every once in a while. But, you know, if you're, if you're riding three or four times a week with babysitters and weekends, you know, it adds up. And then you start, of course, as a parent, you feel guilty. You're like, you know, I'm spending all this time paying for somebody to be with my child. And then you have a hard time rationalizing 
like, you know, is this right that I go out for four hours every other day? It's probably not, you know, I want to be there for my child. I don't want somebody else to raise my child. So then, then that's why I, I went to the one hour workout, you know, cause then I could do it and it was short and I could do it while he was at school or, um, you know, I did a lot, I do a ton of trainer, trainer rides, you know, when Emmett would nap when he was younger, I would ride the trainer or now I ride the trainer and he, he works on art or he'll, he'll watch a video or, you know, play in the dog run in the backyard, you know, with kids too, you know, they do better on a schedule. Right. And, you know, now with children, another huge adjustment for us was dinner. You know, we always used to eat dinner at eight or eight thirty, and the sun's up and I'm, I don't want to make dinner. I don't, you know, so now we make dinner. I start dinner at five o'clock and, and we're trying to eat by six so that I can get him in, you know, start bedtime by seven, you know, cause kids need to go to sleep by seven 30 to eight. And that's just, that's been a huge shift for us. That's supposed to be healthy eating early. <laughs> yeah. And, but it's funny, you know, of course, when you're riding or exercising a lot, then by 10 o'clock you're starving again. Right. Right. <laughs> I don't eat early. <laughs> yeah. And I, we used to the first two years, we, I would feed Emmett at, five or five thirty and then I would make another dinner for me and Greg and we would eat after he went to bed. And we got to a point and I was like, this is ridiculous. Like we need to eat together as a family and we just need to shift what we do. And that was rough and we did. And you know, now it's just that's just the schedule and that's the way we do it. And we have great family dinners. You know, now he's older that 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 becomes really important is to have that time together. Sure. Do you have any sense of, you know, like at what point or what age Emmett will, you know, test you and your uh, mm-hmm. physical abilities? Oh, boy, I'm sure it'll come sooner than I realize. Um, he's already, you know, we ride to school and he likes to put it in his hardest gear and he likes to stand up and sprint up these certain stretches of road. And when he he like really goes for it, I have to work pretty dang hard to catch him and even though he's only doing it for 30 seconds you know he's he's got some strong little legs and I if he you know I hope he just continues to love to ride and you know I could see by the time he's 10 11 12 that uh you know it's going to start to be interesting (laughs) but he I'm always going to kick his ass because because I'm his mom (laughs) until you don't (laughs) yeah I know until I don't so I've, I've recently read a lot of uh, stuff about how important it is exposing kids to a lot of different sports and not f- having them focus on one single one. Do you have thoughts about that and, you know, what you see as the future? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, we definitely have not pushed him to start into organized sports. Um, and I think... I think it's great and it is good for kids to try a lot of different things. But I think what happens to these poor kids is that, you know, they go, they have music lessons and then they go to lacrosse practice and then they have to go to karate practice and then they have, um, and that's Monday. And then Tuesday they have soccer practice and, you know, art class and then they go to cooking class. And so, you know, they're doing all these incredible enriching activities, but, they are stretched so thin 
that they never have time to just hang out and play. And I think the biggest thing that kids are losing is just that ability to play on their own and to imagine and create and pretend and fantasize when they're out there in the backyard playing. And so we've intentionally not done a lot of that stuff. And, you know, I know, I know why parents do it. I mean, one, it's, you want to expose your child to all these incredible activities and two, you need a break. So let's sign them up for this class and this class. And that's going to give me an extra two hours every day to work on my own stuff. Right. (laughs) But you know, Emmett will go out in the backyard and we have this dog run. We have no dog, but um, it's just this big dirt pile. And, you know, I love listening to him because he's making all the sounds of the trucks and the, the mining and the digging. And he's just totally playing with all these things back there and making tunnels and roads. And he just loves it. And that, I think, is what kids are lacking is the time to just be a kid and not be shuttled to and from you know, 10 different activities. So yes, I agree. It's great to have all that exposure to a lot of different sports and not be so intense early on. But on the other hand, it, I think it also is really hard on kids to do tons of activities like that. Right. Do you think you'll be, you know, I guess, do you think you'll feel pressure at some point to sign them up for a bunch of organized sports? Like how long will you be able to keep him on sort of this no organized sport program? I don't know. I mean, he, he has not had any interest in doing any of it. So that helps. <laughs> so, uh, he loves, you know, he loves riding his bike and he loves running around and playing with friends. Um, but I haven't had any kind of, you know, like, mom, I really want to play soccer. Let's sign up. Let's sign, you know, or there's a rock climbing team I've asked him about and no, no, I don't want to do that. And so I don't know when that will change. I'm guessing, you know, he'll just see more of his friends doing, you know, talking about going to soccer practice or I have to go to football practice or I have to do, you know, and maybe when he's eight or nine or 10, he'll, he'll show some interest. And I do want him, I really do want to get him involved in a team sport eventually when he's a little older, because I think that would be good for him. But, you know, right now it's like, you know, as a parent, you're like, you get all worked up about all this. And then you're like, hold on, he's only six years old. (laughs) Right. What were you doing as a kid? Um, at this, at at six, I think I, you know, I think I had, I think I, I learned to ride a bike when I was five, but basically just running around and playing with other friends and nothing, no, no organized anything. I didn't, I think I started my first soccer team when I was maybe in third or fourth grade. No, not even that. I think it was not till like sixth or seventh grade. So I was, and before that I, let's see, I played the flute and I was in Girl Scouts. So those are my two big activities. And your family was active, weren't they? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, they were, my mom was a school teacher, so she was busy, you know, doing school stuff and, we did a lot of stuff on the weekends, hiking and camping and skiing. And so we, we grew up in a very active family, but neither one of my parents was ever involved in organized sports. So they were not, you know, former football players or, you know, basketball or any of that, even though they, they both are very active in 
sports now, ski, mostly skiing and hiking and, and cycling. Right. So, yeah, but it was part, you know, it was definitely a part of our life and just being active, I think, and being outside and kind of the backcountry aspect. I think that's what we all grew up with more than we got to go to the football game every week and we got to go to the soccer games and that kind of stuff. So thinking about the woman that was my guest who revealed that she was pregnant, do you have any thoughts for new parents or advice that you can offer from what you've learned in the last six years? Probably just don't be afraid to reach out to others and don't be afraid to reach out and, and express how hard it is. And you, you'll be shocked at how many other people will say, Oh my God, I felt the exact same way. And this is what I did. Um, because there's so many resources out there. It's almost, uh, it's, it's overwhelming and you don't even know where to start to look for help. And so you just, you know, find your friends that have small children or have been through, you know, have children that are, you know, elementary age and have been through all of that and talk to them and don't feel like you have to do it all yourself. And don't feel like if you ask for help that you're a failure as a parent. Um, that's, that's, that's really big. And being a parent, especially for the woman is incredibly isolating, especially that first year, because, you know, you're, you have this baby who can't talk to you and they're nursing constantly. And then you're having to do naps two or three times a day. So you're very restricted. Like it's hard to get out and be social. It's hard to get out and do things for yourself. And, when it comes right down to it, you are so flipping tired that you get to a point where you don't even care anymore. You're like, it's too much work to organize a bike ride. I'm just going to stay home and, and, you know, work on my computer answering emails or something. And so you just, like, I would just say, don't hesitate to, you know, hook up with friends right away, take a night out for yourself. Don't feel guilty asking for help and don't feel guilty doing something for yourself. Um, because, a baby will literally suck the life out of you. And if you, if you let that child, you know, they will, and you'll lose your identity, you'll lose yourself. And yes, you want to give everything you can to your new baby, but you can't be a good parent if you have lost your own identity. Have you and Greg made a point of, you know, like having date night or anything like that, making sure that you, the two of you are spending time together? We go in phases and we'll have a stretch where we're really good at every week. We try and do a date night and then we, then things will, we will get busy and the date night doesn't work one week and then the next week it doesn't work again. And so we, we don't do it consistently, but we know that it's really important. And in general, I think we've been really good about, you know, trying to connect with each other. I, we could, we could definitely do better. Um, it's funny. At first you, you work really hard to do things together as a couple. And then the further on you get in the parenting thing, you, you realize again that trying to organize a date night can sometimes be really challenging. And then you throw the 40 or $50 for the babysitter and then the 50 or $60 to have this nice dinner. And then if you go to a movie, your date night's over a hundred dollars. <laughs> And for some, that's not a big deal. And for others, you're just like, it's like, we can't even afford to go out and have a day night. So you got to be creative. 
And so what you end up doing is you start just trading off. And so, you know, I go for my ride, I come back, Greg goes out and does photography. And although you're not together, you're still doing what you love. And that helps keep each of you happier so that when you are together, even if it's only for a few minutes here and there, um, you know, you're not grumpy and tired because when you get grumpy and tired, you take it out on your spouse and it, it sucks. And, and the, the biggest, one of the biggest challenges of having a baby is keeping your marriage and your relationship healthy because that takes a huge hit when you have a baby and I don't care how great your marriage is. The marriage suffers incredibly, even with the best intentions, it is really, really hard on the marriage. So, you know, you've got to, you got to work your ass off to keep the marriage healthy when you have a child. And, um, yeah, so I say date nights are great and I, the more, the better and do a date night and do not feel guilty. And that's the hard, it's really hard. It's really hard to, especially in a young child when they don't really know what's going on and they start crying, you know, don't leave me, don't <laughs> leave me with the babysitter. I don't like her. Don't leave me. And, you know, they won't let go of your leg and they're just crying. And Greg and I had many date nights where we finally peeled Emmett off my leg and we get out in the car in the garage and we sit down and we burst into tears, you know, and because it was so traumatic saying goodbye to Emmett to go on this stupid date night. And we're just like, oh, this is horrible. Like, and then you go on the date and it's not a, you know, you're miserable. And ah. <laughs> oh. Yeah, but that's not that goes away. There's only they go through phases, the the kids as well and you know, date dates are easy now. I mean, we have great babysitters and Emmett is so independent, you know, he's just It's like, "Okay, when you coming home?" Right? <laughs> See you, mom. So, but we've had some very traumatic you don't realize that either as a parent, you know, that's great. We're going to babysitter and we'll have a date. And you forget the whole human element of your young child of like, wait a minute, you're, my parents are leaving me with this stranger, you know, no, hold on. That's not working. And, you know, and they make sure that you know that they're not happy. <laughs> and so the, the emotions can be very powerful and the guilt can be, overwhelming when you try and do something as a couple. Um, but it's still ultimately in the end worth it. Right. You taught, you mentioned, uh, you know, your sense of identity. Do you, has your sense of identity really altered? Do you think from when you were racing and how have you, like, what is your identity now? Or do you think about that? No, I don't know if I actively think about it, but I would say, no, I'm still, I'm still who I was before I had a baby. It's just, you know, I've just altered and shifted what I do, but not that much. I mean, yeah, I don't race my bike anymore, but I, when I retired, I was ready to be done. And it was only because Greg didn't, Greg had kind of decided he didn't want to have kids. And so I thought, well, uh, maybe I'll just go back to bike racing because I loved it. And, but once he, then he decided he was ready to have a child, then I retired and it wasn't like I wanted to go back. So I was able to walk away from the competitive side of the sport and not have any regrets of, or longing to go back and race, which has been great. And 
you know, so I've shifted. Now, if I had to give up cycling entirely to be a parent, then we'd have some major problems. <laughs> but, um, you know, and I'm sure I would adjust and find another sport. But, you know, I still cycling is still a huge part of who I am. And it it's not just my job. It's it really is part of my soul and my identity. And, and Emmett sees that. And, you know, he knows that it's a big part of our life. And, you know, we're not obsessed about it. But it's just, you know, there's just something about riding and exercise and being out in the, you know, out in the wilderness and out in mother nature that I just love. And it just keeps me who I am. Yeah, it would be hard to give up cycling. Well, um, I want to wrap things up. Is there anything you want to talk about or mention that we didn't talk about? Um, I think it's another good thing with parenting and being athletic and active is take your, your child and bring them into your life. Like don't give up your life for your child. Your child needs to fit into what you already do. And I think a lot of parents lose, lose sight of that. And, you know, they stop doing what they love. They stop seeing friends, but, you know, but, you know, little Johnny gets to go to, you know, all these different, you know, sports activities and he plays the piano and music and art class. And, you know, he's incredibly enriched, right? But you, the parent have no time for your own, you know, for what you do and you and your spouse and, you know, and, and it takes effort, but keep doing what you're doing and you just make your child fit into that life that you already have. I really like that. I mean, what do I know? I don't have kids, but (laughs) (laughs) I like the idea of Emmett seeing, you know, like how excited you guys are to ride your bike and do all that outdoorsy stuff. And, you know, whether or not he ends up being an outdoorsy type person, he's seeing that excitement. Yeah. Yeah. And I know it's in, I know he has been, you know, enriched by everything that we've done from day one, even though, you know, a lot of stuff I've done with him, he doesn't remember anymore, you know, cause he doesn't remember when I, you know, dragged him all over Utah when he was three years old, you know, cause they don't remember when they were that young. So, but I know that it still had an impact on who he is and, you know, he's this wonderful little person and, you know, I'd like to think that a lot of that is because of, you know, what we did as parents the first five years. I mean, they say that the first five years are the most critical. And by the time they're five years old, their personality is set and they're who they're going to be for the rest of their life. And that wow. is terrifying, you know, because the first five years as a parent, you're an idiot and you you don't know what the hell you're doing. And yet you have this little child and everything you say and do with this little child, you know, you're like, Oh my God, I just, I ruined him. He's going to be a serial killer now. And you know, so it's so hard as a parent because you don't get a second chance. Like, and, and you see what happens to kids that get, you know, messed up by their parents and they, you know, we have a lot of problems with, mental illness because of what parents have done to their children. And it's just, it's, it's huge responsibility. So yeah, the first five years, you know, you, you got to make it count. (laughs) So now you can do whatever you want. Doesn't matter. (laughs) Uh, 
I don't recommend that. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you, Allison, so much for agreeing to talk to me. Yeah. No, I'm glad this worked finally. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it ended up being perfect. Good. Good. Thanks for listening. I know it's totally a pain, but please take a moment to rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. It really does help the podcast to reach more people and to get the word out about female athletes and women in sports. Just a reminder, Allie's Bar is still available for listeners at 50% off with free shipping using the promo code HERSPORTS. That means a box of 12 are only $14. And they taste great and aren't loaded with sugar. There's been a lot of chat about meal planning. I'm totally terrible at that and often find myself happily saved by an Allie's Bar. Also, check out the new layout of the Hear Her Sports website at hearhersports.com. It has a beautiful landing page featuring a design by Agnes Studio. It's easier to find the podcast you want and to listen directly from the site. Finally, sign up for our newsletter and follow on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Hear Her Sports. See you in two weeks. Have you ever wanted to know how to win a Formula One Grand Prix? I mean, really know. Know about the driver tactics from the cockpit, the strategy calls from the pit wall, and even the mind games in the paddock. There's a lot more that goes into winning a Grand Prix than just 90 minutes of racing. So every week on the F1 Strategy Report, we're taking a deep dive into the decisions that shape every result. Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato, and every week I'm joined by an expert guest from the paddock to talk through the big calls that won the race and the missteps that resulted in bitter defeat. Before every race, we'll look back at the previous year's result and consult the current form guide, and we'll be in your feed after every Grand Prix dissecting the outcome and what it means for the championship. So for your regular hit of Formula One analysis, subscribe to the F1 Strategy Report wherever you get your favourite podcasts. The Strategy Report is a beer mogul podcast on the Evergreen Podcasts Network. My name's Michael Laminato, and I'll catch you after the chequered flag.